0: The Incomparable, number 369, September 2017.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, once again, here to talk about things with people. That's pretty much how podcasts work, right? I talk about things with people. (laughs) Usually. I've got five people today to talk about a, a television series. Maybe you've heard of it HBO's Game of Thrones. It's got dragons and swords and stuff in it. And uh, the the seventh season, the penultimate season, recently ended, and uh, we're going to talk about it. So if you're thinking, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, maybe I should listen to this podcast, I'll say, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you should probably have seen season seven of Game of Thrones before listening. Let me tell you who we're going to be talking to about game of thrones it's a bunch of wonderful people first off i want to mention that we do a post episode analyses on the tv podcast after every episode of game of thrones and my uh regular co-host for that is monty ashley who is here hi monty hi jason talking about game of thrones i, huh? I thought we were done for the year. But here we are. It <laughs> was the season finale. I know, I know, but we have other people who have not talked about <gasps> it. Plus we can consider the season as a whole instead of the individual episodes. Maybe we'll see the forest and not the trees. Also joining us to talk about Game of Thrones, Erica Ensign. Hello.
2: Good morning from the forest
1: it's not really a forest here hello forest uh also joining us kelly gamont hi
0: hi jason um i would be talking to you from the forest but most of it right now is on fire so
1: ouch uh kathy campbell is here well she used to be kathy campbell now she's the three-eyed raven yes
0: (laughs) spook
3: wait does this mean i have to talk with no emotion
1: no you don't that's okay it's bad podcasting yeah and uh, from north of the wall, Liz Miles.
4: Hello. <laughs> Good evening, Americans and pseudo-Canadians.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> usually I'm the one that gets stuck with the north of the wall
1: crack, so welcome, Liz. Yeah. I'm There's actually a wall they built mm-hmm. between there England is. and Scotland. I've seen it. There, actually there is, a is a wall. Small. It's not yeah. very tall. It's not very yeah. high.
4: No. Kept Honestly. out all of
5: those two-foot-high Scots. <laughs> That's
4: that is right. true. We did used to be two feet high, but we have grown. We are now three feet.
1: And that's why hobbits are extinct. They couldn't get past uh, the wall. (laughs) All right. So Game of Thrones season seven, uh, penultimate season, uh, seven episodes instead of 10. Very, a lot of weird things going on here. Uh, when we when we start season seven, or when we left season six, uh, Daenerys was uh, sailing to Westeros. Six years of not sailing to Westeros ended with <laughs> the actual sailing to Westeros. <laughs> she was leveling up, Jason. You don't fight the big boss. You gotta grind <laughs> but, a while. You gotta grind exactly. a while. Yeah. And she did. The dragons
3: were grinding. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's true. You have to level up your dragons, too. Yep, yeah. totally. Collect some Dothraki. Rocky. You gotta do all the things. So uh things move fast now. Things are moving fast. This is the end game. I, I, I wanted to start there um and, and and get how all of you felt about the speed at which events transpire in season seven because I think that's one of the things that I've really read people discussing, not necessarily complaining about. Some people are praising it, but it did feel like the show went in another gear this year, even more than last year, which I think had nar- more narrative progression than we usually see. But this year, it seemed everything was moving very fast. Did, was it good? Was it bad? What did you think?
0: It was jarring. That for me was it because we had so many conversations between people on journeys other places like you know it's like the walk and talk we used to get you know from aaron sorkin but on like a an intercontinental back. scale yeah and so uh like a lot of that stuff used to happen sort of in the margins of those trips people on the way from a place to another place were having conversations and then now all of a sudden they're all genie and they can just you know materialize someplace else like where they're supposed to be so like that was that was the only thing to me about it. Like, it was great to have so much stuff happening because I I feel like this is a thing where another show I really liked, Lost, got derailed, was we're going to open up a bunch of new stuff, even though we know we have a limited amount of time to tell the rest of the story that we want to tell. and. So I liked getting all of the stuff happening, but it was just that it was so different even from season six, like how fast everybody could get from place to place to place, because I thought they had done a good job previously of building this world and how everything's kind of far and how nobody can sort of magically travel from place to place, even though there is magic in this world. So to me, it was mostly just a very, very different pace. That was what I noticed about it.
2: Yeah, except for Arya, because Arya, like, if if she was able to magically travel, we never would have met up with Hot Pie again, you guys.
1: So, <laughs> right. That was the, that was the high point of the season. We all could agree right. that the appearance of Hot Pie is the high yes. point of the entire <laughs> season emotionally. You're like, really. And
0: we all know his footnote, right? That he actually opened a bakery in the meantime.
1: <laughs> yep. Yes, that's mm-hmm. yeah, okay.
0: fantastic. Um, well, I wonder if the
3: speed of travel and the fact that there wasn't much that needed to happen during the traveling is because we don't have a book to follow along with. Um, Because in the books, there was a lot of like events that happened during travel that George R. 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 Martin wrote in and like had as part of the story. So by not having those books to go off of, the show writers are like, well, sweet, we don't have to show them traveling because nothing's going to happen while they're traveling so we can just have them appear.
5: It can't go too fast for me. The reason <laughs> I <laughs> tapped out of the book somewhere deep, deep in book three is that I only have so much of my life I'm willing to devote to reading thousands of pages for people wandering in circles and not getting anywhere. <laughs> oh God.
0: So, Agreed. you never read Lord of the Rings, is what I'm gathering. From I, I did
5: read Lord of the Rings. They had a goal. They were walking from here to there, and That's they were true. all in one group. It wasn't, and now here's 50 pages of Daenerys in another city no one else is ever going to get to. I'll come <laughs> up with whatever shortcuts are involved in getting to that dragon pit scene where practically the entire cast is in one set and talking to each other.
4: Mm-hmm. Finally. Wow, I haven't heard of many people giving up the during the third book, fourth book or fifth book, sure. Yeah.
2: I gave up in the second book. Well.
4: In, that's even weirder to me, but I, I you know, I can get it from how long the things are, but wow, if if you were and boring. Te- if you were <laughs> bored by the lack so of bored. the the wondering about the place in those books, I I think for the the experience, you should pick up the fourth or fifth just to truly Understand what boredom from going place to place actually
3: is. No, because they might cry and ruin the book, yeah. or the kids will yeah. they're reading yeah. it on.
4: Oh, well, for the pacing third season, I feel like this is our reward for having watched the previous six seasons yeah. and for some of them to have been. Not the paciest, you know. I was, I was having fond reminiscences back to the sixties, and that the way TV was paced back then, which I'm all for. It's brilliant, mm-hmm. but sometimes I miss it when more than one thing happens in three hours, and <laughs> so to have this where there was like maybe four or five things happening in the one episode that were quite important. It's like, oh, oh, this is the dessert. We've eaten all the vegetables and now, now we get to the good stuff. This has got all the cream and the chocolate and the fudge in it. This is great.
5: It's like we're watching The Princess Bride. You know how the premise of the Princess Bride book is that there was it's a long historical goodness. fantasy and then all of the boring stuff was taken out. So we're just reading the good parts version. I kind yes. of feel oh. like that's what's happening now. We're that's stripping great,
0: out yes. the, yeah.
5: the walking around, just the high points.
0: That's a great description, but I, I think I might prefer six seasons of vegetables.
5: Well, good news. In another <laughs> 20 years or so, you'll get an- another book you can read.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds really optimistic. In
1: my opinion, I, I feel like um, the um, the talk about not uh, like lost uh, adding characters every season when you're like, no, there are too many characters already. Please stop. Uh, and that, Game of Thrones hasn't done that. Boiling it down, bringing the strands together. I mean, it does have that effect of, of, uh, of getting the vegetables out in a way because the, the strands are all drawing closer and i i think that um I, we talked on the on the tv podcast the last couple of years about narrative momentum and the fact that sometimes you have these episodes where like eight different storylines are happening and everybody gets one scene and over the course of a season they all get like an episode but worth but that's about it and it's and it's hard to feel the momentum of the show when you just there's there's a dramatic moment and then that's it and you have to wait a week for the next moment from that storyline because i gotta move on and this season that didn't happen like when, when we do our recaps um um, afterward i'm I'm taking my notes during during the episodes. like it used to be like blocks of like six or diff- six or seven different things we had to talk about. and most of this year, mm-hmm. every episode's like three things happen. Maybe the first episode has four or five. but um boy, that helps a lot to have like a lot of story. Uh, whatever character you're looking at that they have a lot of story in that episode instead of it just being like oh here's the scene with Arya this week and then we just don't see her again she gets one dramatic scene so that that was one of the nice things about uh, not eating our vegetables this time I think it's like more, more more dessert on the plate
0: yeah once we got into it, I was like, I was into it and I was glad that we were getting all of the bounce from here to there to here to there. It's just that it was such a different pace than we'd had initially. And I won- I actually did wonder at one point if the books were part of that because so much of the books is set in transit. Sure. You know, um, I wondered if that might be part of the case. Like, we don't have to worry about getting anybody fr- from anywhere to anywhere else or set it up so that there is an opportunity for two people to have a conversation about a thing, which actually happened this season, which was pretty great. Even if we didn't get to see the conversation, we definitely got to know that it happened more than once. And it was, it was really nice to see so much advancement because I feel like, they were really sort of recognizing, like, we know going into this, we only have this much, this many episodes left, we have this much season left. And so we need to get everybody to the right place. We need to get everybody on the arc, you know, through the home stretch of the arc they're ultimately going to complete. I think,
3: too, uh, the fact that a lot of the characters joined back up. Um, so, a a lot of the multiple storylines, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, by having, you know, all of the Starks finally together, kind of. And all of these, you don't have to have the traveling because they're at the place that's going to have the story. And all of these little storylines are all combined together into a ball of story that actually gets stuff done.
1: I did want to say one last thing about about, uh, pace, which is just time jumps. This has definitely been a criticism. Uh, uh, Some of you have alluded to it, the idea that most egregiously in the in the sixth episode of this season where they're stranded on that <laughs> island in the lake and it's like, Gendry, you run to the wall and get a raven to Daenerys who's all the way down at Dragonstone and then she will fly on her dragon back up here and save us. <laughs> and it is strongly implied that this all happens in a very short amount of time. Like Um, one night, (laughs) yeah, right. It was
0: like overnight. Like they spent the night mm -hmm. on the rock, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, they never really say, but uh, you know, I wish. I wish it had been structured in some uh, in such a way that they were like having they were besieged for a little while instead. But um, I will say that I think a lot of the complaints about time frames are not. I, I don't buy as much because I think there's a lot of shortening just like there was last season where like they're like whoa how did, how did Varys get back uh, all the way over to Essos and on the ship with with uh, Daenerys coming back to Westeros did he teleport and the answer is well no a few weeks probably passed and that happens in in, in narrative you cut and time changes and it's fine we're so used to though the, the like the TikTok pace <laughs> of the show that it's really breathtaking when it happens and yeah I just completely uh, had to just shake my head and be like, all right, I guess I'm gonna accept it about like how fast a runner is Gendry, how fast does a raven right. fly, how fast right. does a dragon fly, you know, when they could have they could have also had brand like, I sense I sense danger, and then like send a <laughs> mental beam or something. And they didn't do that either. So I don't know. But that was that was another weird thing. But it's just handling time. But they
2: didn't they never actually told us how far they had gotten from Eastwatch. So right. I mean right. maybe they weren't yeah. that far off it's anyway. a like running
1: distance, obviously he could run there. Especially
2: considering Considering how how quickly after that the uh, the giant army of the dead was able to take the time to stop and pull out a dragon and then, you know, and then actually literally hit the wall.
5: If they can't swim, how did they get the chains around the uh, dragon, chains. by the way?
3: <laughs> Where did Grappling the chains come Jason? from? Okay. Grappling
5: they came, hooks. The chains came from that one port town that uh, the Night King sacked earlier in the season. Okay. <laughs> mm. That's
2: good. Or maybe they're ancient chains.
5: Maybe the White Walkers can go in the water, just not the zombies. So they they had to do some, like, spelunking. Zombies are like D&D players. They don't throw anything away. And several of them said, oh, uh, I have 8,000 feet of chain on my inventory list. Let's use that.
1: It's even better than rope.
5: Bite your tongue, Erica. Nothing is better than rope. (laughs) Fair
1: enough. Fair enough. I, I retract my statement.
0: I think part of it is just that we didn't notice that amount of time passing for anybody else. So when... Yeah. Varus all of a sudden magically appeared in mm-hmm. a new place. It didn't feel like, like obviously some amount of time has passed, but it didn't feel like we were getting that same amount of time in the other storylines. There was no sort of marker of like, yep. you yeah. know, some other storyline going. Remember that thing that happened a week ago, you know, or or whatever, so that we had some sort of feeling of how much time had actually passed as that happened. Yeah, right.
1: He should have been wearing a different shirt or something, at least. At but, least. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. No, it, it's it's true. And the way that the show had sort of structured us, uh, or or taught taught us to to uh, view the pa- passage of time, um, they hadn't really done as many of those like cut to the next scene and it's probably a month later, right? Like they didn't do that before, but they needed right. to do that there. Um, but you know, in in the service of all of this time jumping and stuff, as I think Monty pointed out. In the service of the great one of the great themes of this season, which is reunions, which is connecting characters together who haven't ever seen each other, who haven't seen each other in a very, very long time. And we did get Arya and Sansa together and Bran, or whatever Mr. Spock.
3: whatever he is now. Sorta uh, Raven.
1: T R Raven, yeah, Raven
5: Bran. It's Bran. <laughs> he still like gets letters by Raven. He's still
3: yeah, <laughs> two
1: scoops He's of Raven. Sorta
5: in there. <laughs> and uh, we got uh
1: lots of other lots of other crossovers of course Daenerys uh, and her team meet a lot of people who ha- who uh who they haven't seen before or they haven't seen in a long time the- there's some more f- uh fan servicey stuff in there although i can can I take a second? People are like, "Oh, it's just fan service that that Pod and and Tyrion have a scene together." And it's like, "Well, wait a second. You have watched 70 episodes of a show about dragons and swords and stuff.
5: Who's left but fans? Who's watching this yeah. show <laughs> who's not a fan who wants to see Pod exactly. and Tyrion talk?" And mm-hmm. and why wouldn't they have a scene together?
0: Yeah. Well, they do have right. a history.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only natural. I mean, you've got you got Bronn, you got Jamie, you got Tyrion, yeah, all of these. Uh, you've got Pod, you've got Brienne talking to the Hound. Like these are yes. these are like payoffs for things from three or four years ago. That I I, I just I don't understand the idea of like oh it's fan service. It's like this is a show about
5: characters, and we've been watching it for seven years. Perhaps we actually care. And I think it's important to remind the audience that a lot of the people on Daenerys's squad know a lot of the people on Cersei's squad, right? Right. These aren't just two separate armies. They're related to each other.
3: It's Mm -hmm. very Civil War-esque because they're related to each other. They've fought together. They fought against each other. They have all of these connections that are interlinked between both sides. And it just builds that tension because eventually, if their queen says fight... What are they going to do? How are they going to react to that? Well,
0: and it would have been more weird because of the fact that we know that they have that history for them not to have acknowledged each other. It would have right. been weird for the Hound and Brienne to never speak. It would have been weird mm-hmm. for Tyrion and Padrick never to speak because they're all in the same place. They're all going to end up in some configuration where they end up sitting next to somebody and going like hey, what's up? It's been a while. You know, they don't have Facebook in Westeros, so they don't have any way to keep up in the meantime. It's so
5: Bran is, face- is Facebook in Westeros. Just Bran. Mm, interesting. Brand Facebook book. is yeah. sociopathic. Good
1: point. Uh, the producer said that in, in that dragon pit scene um, that, they, that it took a very long time to shoot because they wanted to have and you can see it in the scene, all of those like meaningful looks, like not just the dialogue, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. they would show like oh Jamie reacts to this and Tyrion reacts to this and they like they had to do that because this this is paying off all we know who all these people are and what their baggage they're bringing to that scene how could you leave that you know leave that uh, unaddressed you have to yeah.
2: Really the yeah. only other option is like to leave some of those people behind and not have them show up. So, like, you know, people who are complaining about Podrick, for example, like, yeah, your only other option is to have him not come along with Brienne, which would give him exactly zero to do if he is right. left back at Winterfell. So right. yeah, that would have been dumb.
1: Let's take a brief break. Let me tell you about one of our sponsors, this episode of The Incomparable, brought to you in part by Blue. Apron. School has started up again here. Our schedules are getting a little tighter. I think that's happening everywhere. As school gets back in session, that makes cooking maybe less of a priority, more difficult. A lot of traffic moving kids around. It's definitely happening for us, but for $10, less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron makes it easy to make delicious seasonal recipes. They've got step-by-step instructions, pre-portioned ingredients, and it's all delivered right to your door. You don't even have to go to the grocery store. I've had Blue Apron for a couple of years now. It's been great for us. In the summer, we have the kids help us making the meals. And then when fall comes around, it is so good to have that box show up. With For us, it's a couple of nights, family dinners, ready to go. All we have to do is cook it in the evening. Uh, Helps a lot during this time when we are trying to get our schedules back in sync, and we get these great fresh-cooked meals in our house with fresh ingredients. Some of the meals coming up in September are the following. Summer vegetables and egg paninis, with Calabrian chili, mayonnaise, and caprese salad. Wow. Soy glazed pork and rice cakes with bok choy and marinated green beans. Skillet vegetable chili with cornmeal and cheddar drop biscuits. Mmm, oh my God. That's, uh, I'm putting a big checkbox next to that one. Garlic, butter, shrimp, and corn with green bean salad and roasted purple tomatoes. These are the kind of things that you get in a box and uh, you make it yourself in less than an hour and your family gets to eat uh, wonderful, fresh home-cooked food. Pretty great. Blue Apron knows you're busy. They offer 30-minute meals now, too. These are meals that are made with the same flavor and farm-fresh ingredients you know and love and are rest in, ready in 30 minutes or less. So if you're really pressed for time, you can get the 30-minute meal. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals. That's right, three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com Snell. That's blueapron.com Snell. Blue Apron, a better way to cook.
4: Yeah, okay. I'm just confused by the idea that it's fan service for characters to act in character. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it.
5: When people I, I, say that, they mean it's servicing other fans than them. What they mm-hmm. want is dragon fights. Oh, so anything that delays right. okay, dragon that fights makes doesn't sense. count. Oh well, okay. in that
4: case, that case, it's my view that there was not nearly enough fan service this season. <laughs> <laughs> but, and by that, I mean, I mean, why didn't you let all my favorites
0: live? You mean people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so the clagane Bowl complainers is who we're hearing fan service from. Is that right. what I'm gathering from A little this?
1: bit of everything, right? There's the Clagane Bowl complainers, and there's the... You know, there's a lot of, like seriously, I just saw a lot of heavy sighs that are like, oh yeah, we got a lot of reunions. Yes, nice. yes, Podrick and Tyrion. Yes, it's like, but, you know, and Braun, by the way, <laughs> I, I want Braun to always be in every scene talking to everybody. That is also <laughs> a Why thing that I you want. Why not
4: want Bronn to talk to Tyrion? That's what he's there for. That's, <laughs> That's the entire point of well,
0: Bronn. And are you forgetting their entire relationship? Like, the whole reason Braun is there is directly as a result of having met up with Tyrion initially and Mm -hmm. being a person who was helping Tyrion out in the first place so how do you not i do have to point out there was one reunion this season for all the reunioning we got i didn't get john and aria and that's the one that i just really Mm -hmm. need to have happen they might be saving it yeah because that's because it is quite a good one so it's gonna be a good one and plus but now the problem is it's gonna get all mixed up with Sam and John reuniting and Sam going, hey John! while you were out,
1: I By bet the he, way, I may,
4: maybe we'll I, be lucky, maybe the white dragon will get Sam before he can get to Winterfell. Oh, you <laughs> shush.
1: Oh, no. No.
3: Have that happen and then Gilly can succeed and finally get the oh, payoff that, would be that nice. she deserves. Oh, that would be okay, feel good. I, okay, I
0: wasn't rooting for Sam to get got, but now I kind of am. <laughs> yeah, yeah
3: you feel you like day.
0: Yes. Then... Sorry. Oh, that's a strong case to be made. <laughs>
1: <All> <laughs> right, sad. let's talk about uh, let's talk about the different the different storylines of the season. I think maybe we'll we'll do it geographically. This is one of those things on the TV podcast <laughs> that I struggle with. Is like, how do you keep track? They do intertwine a lot this year, but just to, sort of the characters that are in the different factions here. Uh, why don't we start with Daenerys and her team? So Daenerys and Tyrion, the Onion Knight, Missandei, Grey Worm uh i don't know who else i'm i would throw in the the some of the gray joys that,
4: that had a whole bunch of my favorite moments of the season i think one of the earliest ones was that when they had the council and dragonstone and everyone's standing around the table and you've got diana Rigg and indira varma and danny and yara and they're all like the, the ladies and queens of their oh, bits and they're all yes. talking and i'm like oh yeah this is what okay. I want my epic fantasy. I want lots of women arguing about army. I could have watched that all season. It was so yes. good. It made me very happy.
0: I needed just to, like a side episode of stuff, even like go publish on YouTube half an hour of them like getting to know each other before the conversation <laughs> oh. that we actually saw oh. like right. I would have oh. like I want that, and I want uh. To jump for just a second. I want Tormund and the Hound to talk about everything all the time. I just need yes! that commentary <laughs> in the world.
2: See, that would be fan service. They
0: were that was fantastic. Yes, oh. it absolutely would, and I would have no problem with it. I'm mm-hmm. there for it.
1: <laughs> so Diana Rigg, she's she's oh. so great and she gets she gets uh two amazing scenes in this, epi- or in this season especially. She gets the scene with Danny where she says y- you know, you are listening to Clever Boys. They yeah. are so clever, um, but they will, they, they will lead you astray basically. You need to think about this yourself. I, I, uh, I'm still here and I stopped living to, listening to Clever Boys a long time ago. That's a really good scene that really yes. puts this, you know, having the dynamic of, like Tyrion always knows the right thing to do and the, the show worked hard to be like oh no, they are going to suffer setbacks. It would be really boring if everything they did worked, and yay, the show is over. Daenerys is in charge; everything's great. And Diana Rig like really spins that up, where you're like, you know, maybe and don't listen. It's, list it's Tyrion. just so
4: beautiful for her character as well, because of course she was mentoring uh, Marjorie for all those seasons. Yeah. She's used to being the power behind the throne and of having a sort of female protege there. And here's her new one, and she's giving her advice as well. I would actually, I would love a collection of scenes that's just um, Diana Rigg giving advice to all the female rulers. <laughs> <laughs> and my straws about what to do. That'd be like that's that's my spin-off series. That's That'd a web great. series. I it's would on her be all YouTube over. Channel,
1: yeah, yeah,
3: the Olena mm-hmm. show. I'm in. Would watch. Yes.
1: Um, and the uh, and the other scene with Diana Rigg of course is her death scene where they have uh, taken Highgarden, the Lannisters have taken Highgarden and Jamie comes to see her and lets her basically take the poison rather than having something horrible happen to her the, like <laughs> die horribly, she gets to die with just the slow acting poison, she'll go to sleep and that'll be it and uh, she uses this moment to do her final download of uh, uh. everything including the fact that she was behind the uh, death of Joffrey and uh and that's how she uh that's how she leaves it planting some seeds and tipping over some tables one last time before she goes and it was a' it was a great just fantastic was, stuff Diana rig is so epic
4: it was so beautiful it's just it's just I couldn't have if because I, I, I expected her to go because she's a really old character and she's in one of the houses that were not so focused on and she'd been around for several years so I you know I, I love Diana rig and I love Elena Terrell but I assumed I was okay with the fact you're gonna die but i couldn't have come up with such a magnificent death scene it's just so what's the trope is it the magnificent bastard thing the way she changes just slightly just when she's like oh so i'm gonna have a quick nice death am i nice i think i'll just uh, i've got this dagger here for your heart for your family i think i'll just get one last stab and it was oh so good
0: let me twist that on my way out so yeah. beautiful. Well, might be the, my favorite.
3: And it makes me wonder if if she uh, if Jamie hadn't been the one to give her the poison, if she would have taken that to her grave. Like she kept this for that moment when it could do the harm instead of like writing a letter to send it off to or to say, Neener, 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 I killed Joffrey. As someone else kills her, like just Mm -hmm. she's just this brilliant mind and the master like manipulator.
0: I just I felt like it was almost worse in a way for Jamie in that moment because he had sort of come to her to give her poison and do something like as weird as it sounds, to be human to her, to be decent. And it was sort of one of those moments where like, I'm sorry, Jamie, but I can't see any of your Lannister because all of your humanity is showing. And he was like, trying to be nice about it. And then she's like, oh, well, let me take that and set it on fire and hand it back to you. And I, like, for me, like, that was part of what made that, like, magnified everything going on in that scene was like, he was trying to be decent and she's like, oh, you're still a Lannister, like all the way down to your to the to the ground. Here you go. I think she she also wanted
4: more for Cersei to know because Cersei's the one who blew up her grandchildren and right. killed her oh, family. Yeah. So that 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 was probably quite important for her to know there as well. But I just think the the contrast, the, the way it developed, because that Elena, the reason that she's kind of there in the first place was because her m- murdering Joffrey is she didn't do that for power. She did that out of love for her granddaughter and yeah. the way that's just slightly different to the way right. the reason cersei had for blowing up her grandchildren is, <laughs> i think it's interesting
5: lady olena's death scene is one of the ones i really wonder what it's going to be like in the books because yeah. there's so much more olena in the show because they realized they had a great performer so they gave her extra scenes and extra focus where even if she did kill joffrey in the books she's not nearly so prominent so people aren't that excited about a death scene for her. Yeah.
2: And while we're talking about good performances, I just want to shout out Nikolai koster Waldo because his performance after she says, like, you yes. know, it was me. Like, I mean... It, it, Honestly, Jamie's becoming a little bit of like the emo knight the this, yeah. <laughs> this, this season. Yeah, but but that moment was 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 pretty good because he he didn't he didn't go over the top at all. He just he no. kind of underplayed it a little bit, but really intensely, uh, which was nice because you know we see a lot of over the top stuff. This is a show with dragons, um, so right. it's nice when right. we get those quiet moments. Which I think that whole scene was one extended quiet moment. Uh, Which, for me, is one of the reasons that I loved it so very, very much. Despite the loss of Diana Rigg.
3: It really built up his, um, like, low-key performance. So, when he, and we're flying around now, but when Cersei is gonna, tells the mountain to kill him, and he's just like, whatever, I don't believe you. Like, that low-key performance, because again, he could have been completely over the top, but he's losing the love for his sister, who has ruined his entire life basically and like just keeping it that low key really powerful performance just it was believable
0: like and i think it's one again one of those things that stands out even more given the season that we've had because there are so many big things that are happening like this is the very humanity of Westeros being able to survive against this unnatural force. And yes. we've been like, we've got this huge conflict and we've got thousands and thousands of soldiers on one side and thousands of thousands of soldiers on the other side. And we've got that huge conflict. So the moment between Jamie and Elena, the, the moments between Tormund and Brienne, the moments between like all of the, the single characters having these human moments, you know, with, with Jamie and Cersei and, you know, and, and all of those, those small, a person and a person and their relationship and the rest of what's happening in the world is like, coloring that but it's not what they're talking about it's not what the point of that moment is between those two people those stand out to me again magnified even more this season for the the moments of humanity that we get in that and reminding us that there these are just people and they're people having these relationships and these conversations and how everybody's actions are affecting everybody else on a personal level before we get to the whole conflict with the dead and conflict with the other countries and all of that
1: elena's last words to jamie i think one of the things I love about that scene is that she is she is not by saying tell your sister this, like, she is probably knowingly placing a wedge between them again, too. Right. Because Jamie is oh, not Cersei, yeah. right? Jamie everybody she's got to know everybody's got to know that there's more going on in Jamie he has he he's a more complex figure and also just Cersei's paranoia and rage um, anybody bringing her anything she doesn't want to hear is going to be considered she's going to shoot the messenger basically
3: right and, and so Elena's game
1: goes all you know she covers all those bases there I love Jamie you know I, I, I know I talk about this a lot and people are like dude he you know they, they push Bran out a window and he's he's a he's a bad guy and it's like yeah but what i love about him is that he's got a conscience he conscience he's got a guilty conscience and you just yes. know that there's somebody in there who he knows what the right thing to do is but he's saddled with his family loyalty and he makes bad decisions and this, I feel like the show's been leading up to it for a long time, but at the end of this season, it feels like he's finally making the right decision, prompted by another character who we've only mentioned in passing, Brienne, the most mm-hmm. oath-bound, Gosh, honorable yes. person on the show, Seriously. who basically tells him, forget about loyalty and family <laughs> yeah. and house, we need to save humanity. And, you know, he walks away from Cersei and leaves and leaves King's Landing and is riding north, presumably. And it's like, what a progression for for Jamie, who is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just fascinating you, to see him struggle in that way.
3: Well, and and two, he saw his brothers, uh, Tyrion, come to a realization that this wasn't the right side. He didn't and and leave his family and do things that he thought he blah, 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 did things that he thought were right, and so he's by all of these little picks at what he always believed growing up, and now suddenly all of these people are like, no, you need to do the right thing regardless of loyalty. It's just kind of like, it finally just avalanched on him and he's just like, I'm done.
2: I have always really found Tyrion and Jamie's relationship really interesting because it's one of the few just sort of low key, relatively healthy familial relationships. There hasn't (laughs) been like, there hasn't been a ton of drama between the two of them. Like they pop up in each other's lives to, to help, help the other one out or ask the other one for, for help, um, every now and then. And they clearly love each other. They clearly respect each other and not a big deal is made of it. And I just, I think that that's one of the kind of underlying threads of character relationships that has that has really kept me kind of rolling all the way through some of the you know the slower bits of earlier seasons, and it really comes to a head here in this season because you see him you know as you said jason jamie is is taking on a lot and really coming his decision making process comes to a head kind of through the course of this season and and I feel like tyrion does play a really important role in that
0: I think he absolutely does there's there because of that relationship that they have where it never. Neither one of them are coming to it with like this whole thing of what used to happen between them or did happen between them. And I always really enjoyed that because I think each of them sort of finds some sort of value in the other person. You know, like Tyrion, like, like one of the things that he likes about Jamie is like, you are a person who can move out in the world and people aren't criticizing you for like who you are or anything like that. And one of the things that I think Jamie respects about Tyrion is how smart he is. And, you know, we've been told for years now that Tyrion's a smart guy, aside from Tyrion himself declaring he drinks and he knows things, you know, we've seen that from other people and it was great to see... Like, I think that's part of what did this was like, Jamie's relationship with Tyrion was like, I've always looked up to you as a smart person, as a person who makes a good decision, who has a lot of information in order to decide what you're deciding. And Tyrion has decided that he is Team Danny. And so I feel like that carries almost, um, that carries a lot of weight with Jamie, as does the woman who carries a sword called Oathkeeper saying (laughs) right loyalty yeah and like the look on his face again like this is another like fundamental brick of the wall of reality that jamie has that just sort of gets kicked out from underneath it like he's realizing he doesn't have a wall he has jenga and it's all starting to get real wobbly. And yeah, it's not the I only wobbly like wall that's... this season,
1: by the way. There's another wobbly wall.
0: <laughs> but like that was a thing that to me I felt like was again like a profound moment. And we got that from we got like more than one of those this season just from Jamie. And I really liked his progression as a as a piece of that. Agreed.
1: Uh let's talk about uh, Daenerys. Um she comes to Westeros and and I think I feel, I feel like Daenerys doesn't have as many this show has spent so much time with Daenerys kind of like learning good and bad uh-huh. rules of, of ruling uh, perhaps too many times thank you for the grunt by the way Monty that was good uh, that's a pro- I think that's an appropriate sound to make so this season not as much of that but she does have to figure out like war tactics and who, who her advisors are she does get to meet an, an interesting uh, uh, dark haired man from the north uh, Jon Snow our, our old buddy <laughs> And uh, fly some dragons around and get into some uh, battle and and use her power and you know I I think it was an interesting season for da- Daenerys uh, because it was maybe it's the short answer is because it was so different from all the other seasons that were so similar <laughs> that she has to do she has to like do something and 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 learn and and decide who to listen to and decide what to do and 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 I think overarching this season reminded us many times that. Uh, now she has to deal with the, her family history, which she didn't have to do in Essos. That the Targaryens have a bad reputation, that they're not going to be just welcomed as like, yay, thank goodness
5: the Targaryens are back, because... Her brother said that's exactly what would happen. As, right. as, soon as she mm-hmm. set foot on Westeros, everyone would say, thank God a Targaryen is back. Here's <laughs> the throne, Your Majesty.
0: <laughs>
3: oh, it's nope. so much better now. As much as she didn't really believe what her brother was saying, you know, it definitely made an impact on her growing up. And in her mind, she just needed to get home. As soon as she got home, she would you know it would all work together it would all be good everything would work out etc and so now that she's at dragonstone she's in her home oh crap now what do i do mm-hmm. like there's so many different ways and options she can't just rule with her like emotions and her heart and send the dragons in to kill everybody because she has to rule these people whereas all the previous um not really battles, but hiccups in her journey to Dragonstone have all been like, "Oh, I can just kill all the rulers and I win, and all the unsullied will follow me, and all like she'll just win over everything, but she can't do that now, and so she's torn between how do I actually rule and it's been her development has been really really interesting and I really enjoy it
2: mm-hmm. it's been fun to watch her this season because this season's Danny is definitely different from the previous seasons which is one yes. of the things I love about this show these characters are changing based on the choices that they have made um, and here it's it's a it's a nice combination of like the you know the writing acting directing and the the costume design because yes. she's wearing like you know previously oh, she's been man. wearing all these flow like like just you know dresses because she lived in a desert and it was always very hot and stuff and she comes here and she's styled very differently it's much more severe she's got to be wearing heavier heavier cloth because you know it's it's colder that's
1: the style you know whatever it's the winter wardrobe winter wardrobe Colorless. it really yes. is
2: and she looks she looks really different she almost looks like she's kind of lost in these clothes because you know there was sort of a minimum of fabric um previously in a lot mm-hmm. of her outfits and now there's just so much of it and she she looks a little bit like she's drowning in it kind of in the same way she looks like she's drowning in this castle that she was born in so technically it's home but it doesn't feel like home because she had never really lived there so mm-hmm. she is she's more at sea than we had ever seen before pun not intended hmm. um <laughs> and and because i mean yes she she was learning and making mistakes and 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 doing all that stuff before but now that she gets here i mean this is this is the real deal this is for all the marbles and these decisions like she can't just you know kind of shrug and give up and go to a different city or decide to to go to westeros cuz now this is this is where she is this is the end game and she's playing by rules that that she kind of understands but but all of the players she doesn't understand because she was, she learned to interact with with these people Across the narrow sea, who didn't really do things quite the same, and now there's this huge political situation that she's been told about, but being told about that sort of thing is way different from being thrown into it. So it's fun to watch her kind of flail a little bit on the inside, but still sort of keep her cool when she's when she's with other people, except for John, because apparently he just sees right to the heart of her or something. Because she doesn't uh, she's in front with him. It's because he's but, so dreamy. Yeah, okay, he's dreamy. He's also hairy <laughs> and true. smelly
1: and wears furs. But apparently that's fine because yeah. she like but, a drogo, yeah, okay. you
5: know whatever right yeah yep. <laughs> when does Jon Snow get a new outfit Cersei changed clothes know, Daenerys right? changed clothes I kept thinking mm-hmm. John, you are not dressed for being south
1: like you are you need right? to like put on a oh on tank gosh. top or something right just, yeah, but just like Dragonstone seriously. is a
2: coastal windy place I feel like he's he's dressed appropriately for but not for
0: when Daenerys. he goes Stone, yes not the dragon oh pit. yes yes Gotcha. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, they're, yeah. they're close. Uh, King's Landing and Dragonstone are actually pretty close. They're dra- Dragonstone's um, surprisingly close because it's just outside b- uh, Blackwater <laughs> Bay. This has been your. I looked at a map update.
4: Right. <laughs> they show
5: us a map every episode. It's nobody. Nobody has an excuse.
4: Is it close enough you could see each other on like a clear day?
5: Maybe they had think so. do they
4: we, we have West Rossi telescopes and they could sort of look at each other, give a wave, <laughs> say
1: Stick "Hi, dudes." They have, they have a, a, oh, a, a they dragon have flight pla- plan. They make sure the dragons fly high enough up and do some like fire breathing exercises just to like send a message.
0: Just to for, rattle everybody yeah, out here.
1: That yeah. would
4: be great. I think I think that for me the most important thing about Danny this season was they stopped skimping on the dragon budget. Yeah. And yes. that we gotta see a lot of swooping through the air and looking really cool and determined and like diving down on people and turning them into flames. That was pretty great. I think that's the most important character development for Danny this year.
1: That's my single favorite Look, scene yeah. in the entire uh, that, that sequence of attacking the caravan is the my yes. single yes. favorite scene perhaps uh. of the entire show because it is that moment of like you know how medieval <laughs> style battles and things work <laughs> and I mean the producers likened it to what if a jet fighter came over the horizon and it's a little right. bit like that like I just right. kept my, got more and more tense and I'm like oh no oh no. No, I mean, it's not like I'm rooting for the Lannisters, but it's just oh, just like, what are we seeing? And then it's so <laughs> destructive. It's uh, It was amazing.
3: And it was also beautiful. Yes, it was. As, as horrible as budget. it was. The dragon budget. The dragon, <laughs> <laughs> the dragon Yes, that dragon budget made yes. just a huge impression because you're like, oh my gosh, all of these people are dying and it sounds terrible, but man, is it gorgeous. I kept wanting to take screenshots. I'm like, oh, look at how pretty.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't watching every Game of Thrones on the day that it was on. I was watching later in the week. But after that episode, I got a phone call from my mum being ridiculously fangirlish going, oh my God, have you seen Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones, you have to watch the last 15 minutes. You have to watch it now. i am got to watch it again now. It's so good. I was like, oh dear lord calm down yeah, that's so funny a show. <laughs> Don't you
1: here? I watched it three times so yeah <laughs> it's really good
0: yeah after, after the show was over like once we had watched it through the first time then I went back and went back to the to the loot train and watched it again like I had a couple questions about what happened in the first of it because which was part of the reason that I backed it up but we just like I just left it playing and we just sat and watched it all the way through a second time yep. It, yep. Was really, it was really it was really should I should, really t- I should do that <laughs> I haven't, but now I want
1: to. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I haven't either. I think,
4: I think the other thing that I really enjoyed about Danny is the way that they're contrasting her with Cersei, with Cersei as the absolute despot who doesn't need advice nor want it from anyone, and Danny with the uh, enlightened uh, enlightened, enlightened benevolent ruler and the way that she sees it's much more of a first among equals thing in the way that she talks especially to Tyrion and, and Varys. And oh god, I love that conversation with Varys about how open and Right, right, they were with each other about this is what uh, yes. I will kill you for and this is what I want. and I was like oh this is so good this is like mm. diplomacy porn thing going on here that I just yes. this is what I want
0: on my television it's the good stuff well I loved that they were very upfront about it and that this wasn't a, yet another thing that Danny had to learn the hard way that right. for me was like yeah. the great bit of that where she was like I see right through you I know <laughs> like I know what time it is here's what's up and that was just that was one of those honest conversations i was talking about earlier that made me really happy was like yeah this you know like not even that's a paddling you know it was that's a roasting (laughs) and this totally a roasting and this i'll roast you twice you know the second time is just for me and like that moment between them where each of them was very very clearly seeing the other was really great and it has been great to watch danny flail a little bit because like all she ever wanted was to go home she wanted to go home she wanted to go home so now she's home so now what like you know she had like she hadn't thought about sort of the next thing she'd sort of talked about it but not really the nuts and bolts now that i'm home i'm going to wake up and get out of bed and what and watching that Mm -hmm. was interesting
4: That's a very, sort of, I'm really interested in where they're going from that in that sense because they keep talking about, and Danny's talking about, oh, I'm going to break the wheel, I'm going to change things. And it's like, okay, you're going to be a monarch who replaces another monarch. But it seems to be hinting that there's more than that, that there wants to be some fundamental change in the way this place is governed. And I really hope they are going to do something and it is going to go there. And I'm I'm really interested to see what they do because they did, there was hints at... uh, Peasant uprising stuff with the sparrows, which mm-hmm. obviously ended delightfully. Right. So I'm really <laughs> interested to see how this whether whether there's some sort of halfway between thing that you decide this is what we're going for here. That there's going to be some big fundamental change at the end of this, if ever, anyone survives. I'm still sort of half right. hoping that everyone actually dies and it's winter forever. So <laughs> you know,
1: interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Time for another brief break. Let me tell you about this sponsor of this week's episode. It's also sponsored in part by Loot Train. Loot Train is a box containing gold that you've stolen from Highgarden. And now it's time to take it back to, of course, your castle at King's Landing. What do you do? How do you get it there? And the answer is, you ship it on the loot train. Loot trains run from time to time, from place to place. And, uh, you know, there's gold inside, which is pretty great. Also some uh, various vegetables and staples that can be used to fortify your army. And really, loot train is without compare in all of Westeros. The only problem, however, I will warn you, the box is flammable. It can be singed by dragon fire. Loot train. For all of your looting needs, I do think there there is the Daenerys uh, pamphlet that the, that gets handed out and spread among villagers. The villages <laughs> Daenerys pamphlet. Have you read this? <laughs> still no, yeah. that's it's it's like common sense by Thomas Paine it's a, it's a oh no we're going to break the wheel things are going to be different she's going to be benevolent and all that and and i like how the show just as the show questions tyrion when elena says uh, don't listen to the clever boys the show questions daenerys and says is that really going to happen like is she really <laughs> and when she puts sam's brother um and
5: uh and dad on fire oh, for not bending the knee right. to her right i mean of course it's not going to happen Daenerys has one plan in every situation, and that's to burn things to death with fire. Right, That's a great like plan. Like her dad.
3: What's wrong with that plan?
5: It's oh great for taking the throne.
3: Not for keeping it. As long as the show
5: ends right when she becomes queen, there's no flaws.
3: Right? <laughs> Correct.
5: The this is end. a perfect plan. Uh, yeah,
1: so I, li- uh, I like how the, the, the show is, you know, you, get, you go for a while and you're like, oh yeah, Daenerys, we're rooting for her. She's great. She's going to change things. And then the show itself, the text of the show says, is she... I think that's just really, really? great. That's a great, really? a little bit yeah. subversive. Um, and then it comes to um, when it's when we re- realize now what everybody already kind of figured out, which is Jon Snow is actually a legitimate, that was the, the part that was the surprise because of a an marriage annulment and all of that, yes, a legitimate right. uh, Targaryen who has a better claim because of the rights of men over women, a better claim to the throne. <laughs>
4: but he doesn't have any dragons. How many dragons? dragons does Jon Snow he have? He ha- has none. You know,
1: Zero dragons. C- call he me crazy. rent one.
3: In my- oh no, he's had one. <laughs> 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 oh my! Oh, what you did there? Oh, I
4: see man. it. <laughs>
3: ding, ding. <laughs> but
4: that, that kind of idea that it's the firstborn son of the previous ruler who's got the best claim to the throne is such a weirdly modern idea when what really is preferable in the Middle Ages is one, you're an adult and two, you have a really big army or can get a big army. Sure. And then you get the throne. And I think that dragons dragons are a more legitimate claim to the throne of Westeros than some dude who runs the night watch because he's a dude comes back let me suggest the
5: otherwise the, I think the best monarch would be Liana Mormont and she's not an adult and doesn't oh, have an army
1: right oh. Oh, well, I would vote for yeah. her so this is I, I think that's... I think what the show is sidling up to is as I think we uh, somebody mentioned earlier which is um, why debate rules of inheritance when you are first yeah. off kicking kicking somebody off the throne who has Cersei had no problem just saying yeah, I'm queen now like why? Yeah, right. I love that. Right, and I love
4: that because that's so normal.
1: And if we break the wheel <laughs> and things are different, then the, you know one of the ways that that she may break the wheel is by saying, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, choose our leader differently too we're gonna we're gonna choose them because of you know whatever reason she wants to choose or rule differently if if they remain alive and united uh next season so it's interesting it it calls all that into question a little bit and i just love that six seven years into the and almost at the end that they're still kind of questioning
5: parts of the the, our expectations okay hear me out okay daenerys becomes queen She doesn't have any children. Wait, she does. She's the mother of dragons. When she dies, Drogon gets to be king.
1: (laughs) I should have. The dragon king, I say. Although I did like that moment that, again, is questioning our assumptions of the show because, of course, the um, spooky magical lady in season one said that she can never have children. Mm -hmm. And Jon Snow's like, You believed her? Like, what? Right?
2: (laughs) She she, did not seem very nice, right? So you're just going to trust her? Hmm. I mean, she Hmm. was magic. Although she has she has gotten it on quite a lot through the course of this show, True. and she True. has never gotten pregnant yet, and because of that, old lady, I'm assuming she's never taken
1: any you know precautions. Right. So right.
2: so it it makes sense for her to to believe
1: that at this point. Yeah, so. but maybe John is different, or maybe not. I don't know. I just I yeah. it, it, in fact probably mm-hmm. not. And yet uh, I love that the show would do something like that too, which is like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't consider that that was all potentially right. questionable. Like that's great
0: yeah but the way they the way that they set that up i just really liked how that story came out like who told you that the witch who murdered my husband Mm -hmm. okay believe (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) side eye sounds like a solid source uh (laughs) I'm,
0: i'm like well when you put it that way of course it sounds ludicrous so like why not you know and i thought that was that was fun to see
5: that would be so great as a citation on wikipedia the witch. <laughs> like, you just see a weird claim Creepy in a footnote witch. and you go, I'm to check their source. A witch yeah. that, what? <laughs> you go to the hill and talk to the witch
1: and see what she says. Mm-hmm. And she'll, she'll back me up. Um, the, uh, the, let's talk about Cersei because I think one of the things about Cersei is, that I struggled with this year is that I always felt like she had a really good reason to do what she did before, which was all about her kids and sort of navigating her family politics. And now that she has no children, um, She's in this state where I just kept thinking, is is this purely like cynical and nihilistic at this point? Is she just laid bare that she has no reason to continue any other way? So she just goes on and does it the way she does. What, what's the deal with Cersei this season? What do you think?
4: Well, I think I think partly it really helped that she's pregnant. If she's telling the truth if she there, is, because yeah. that gives her a se- if that gives her a sense of of purpose again. But I think you're right there with the sense of nihilism there that she's fallen back on. Essentially, this is what you have to do to survive. There's so many little hints. I feel like in some of her conversations with Jamie that if she could, she would reach an accord with Daenerys. But there's no way to do that safely and keep her life. She wants to keep on living, right. but there's no way out of that that, where that is going to be a result. She can't, she doesn't want, to, uh, I guess she could maybe flee or something, maybe, but then she'd be ending up living like Danny had lived and maybe that doesn't appeal, but she can't stay home, she can't retire, she can't withdraw. There's, there's, there's no way out. She's trapped, so she has to fight. And, um, I think that we really, oh, I, I, I found Cersei this season to be mostly quite, quite more one-dimensional than what I'm used to, which yeah. made me quite sad. But mm-hmm. then we got that gorgeous scene towards the end with Tyrion, which I absolutely adored, where suddenly we got the sort of more layered complexity of her back again, and I felt like she was a real person again. The, the absolute standout bit for me for for Cersei this season was where Tyrion is talking about how he loved those children, um, the younger <sighs> two anyway, and mm-hmm. she's like, she just couldn't oh. handle it, and I was like, oh my god, thank god, you're... you're, you're You have, you still have your layers. They're still there. They're still there. But yeah, Mm. I think, I think at this moment, she's just like, she, she trapped and doesn't see a way out. And I just want to say, I, I am going to admit, I completely believed her about helping out at the wall. Mm -hmm. I I was, I was completely fooled. I feel really bad about that, but (laughs) I I would have bought it if I was there. Mm
0: Well, I was trying to figure out how it was going to work for her. I was like, she's agreeing, but there's like a footnote to this that she just hasn't showed us yet. Not... And I absolutely did not expect it to be completely fake.
1: Yeah, I also was a little confused when Jamie was like, what do you mean we're not sending anybody? I thought she'd send, like, send our slowest, smallest battalion, right? Like, just do the (laughs) least. But she's like, I'm not going to even bother. Let's not even bother. Yeah.
2: As soon as she showed up and was looking at uh, at Jamie talking to to the other other guys, you know, sending him off, like, as soon as I saw the look on her face, I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) She was, but I didn't, that was the moment. Like, before that, I completely bought it, and I was, like, punching the, punch in the air I was like yeah they're all going to go off together and it's going to be great and they're going to defeat the 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 white walkers and the the white dragon and it's going to be wonderful and then you know the the wrong you know the bad (laughs) people are going to die so in that fight so then everybody can just come home and live happily ever after and it's going to be fantastic and that's not what happened it
4: really felt like her way out because then it'd be like oh I'm doing this I I love that line where she said I will I'm green to do this with no guarantees I hope you'll remember that but probably not and i'm like yes and then they'll go and fight and they'll be heroic and they'll stand side by side Mm -hmm. against the undead and defeat them and they'll realize that they're all one big happy human family after all and they'll (laughs) manage to forgive this and get through it and it's like my god looking back and and seeing what i was thinking i was like what show do you think you're watching here you've forgotten everything i was completely like yes heroes at last Oh, I was a fool.
5: I want to know what show Cersei <laughs> thinks she's in because I can understand her deciding she doesn't trust Jaime anymore, but she does trust Euron Greyjoy? Right? That's he's clearly going to betray her at the first opportunity.
0: Absolutely.
3: Trying to take that and I think
5: himself. he's taking
0: it now. That was one of the things that bothered me about the pit was he was like, "Wait, those things and they can't swim?" Later haters.
1: Not believable, not believable.
0: I also bought that. No, 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 no. I totally believed that part. What I didn't believe was later when she was like, oh, yeah, he and I had that set up ahead of time. Right. (laughs) When she was like, we worked it out, you know, like I gave him the high sign and then he bailed. Like, that was the part that I was that I couldn't get over was like, how did they decide ahead of time? Like, there's going to come an opportunity where you're going to get to leave and you need to just go ahead and leave. Like, I couldn't figure out how that all happened so that she was like oh yeah it's totally a thing I knew he was going to bail he's doing me a favor I, I bought it because she is
2: she has always been very conniving and she's her father's daughter she's been thinking thinking two steps ahead and I I have no problem believing that she had come up with several contingencies who knows what other things could have happened going oh, sure. other way so, so that made sense also the fact that she did it ahead of time and didn't tell Jamie made perfect sense because she's still real really upset that he met with Tyrion oh, yeah. without telling her first. So she's just like, you know, back to your original question, Jason. I I think that, yeah, Cersei is not as layered a character, um, obviously, like Liz said, but... It, at this point, she's she's lost she's lost everything that is important to her except for Jamie. And then we see her lose Jamie through the course of the yeah. season. So it's like I don't know if it's better to describe her as just being rubbed completely raw, and what we are left with is just like the angry, burning core of her, just flailing out and doing what she can, or if she has built up so much scar tissue that she's not entirely connecting with the wor- the real world because because she's just buried underneath all of these layers of defense from all of the awfulness that has happened mostly her fault which i think probably makes that scar tissue even worse because she recognizes her part in all of those things
3: well and she's going to believe that you're on everyone that has ever been in love with her has completely like been in love with her and w- is willing to do anything for her. So she hasn't had a thing where she needs to believe that Euron won't betray her.
5: Lancel went over to the High Sparrow.
3: That's true. Oh, that's true.
2: But I mean, she. I think maybe it's it's easier to e- easier to interact with Euron because she knows one hundred percent that she cannot trust him. Yeah, that's true. So, he is who he so is. is. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So like, there's. She knows what where she stands with him. I don't think she knows where she stands with uh, with Jamie or really anybody else because nobody's yeah. quite as as wacky as Euron.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I think part of it for me was that she like. I feel like part of it could be revenge. Like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get revenge on the world. And it's, mm-hmm. um, so the thing that, that comes to my mind is, uh, I was watching Tombstone the other night and, uh, one of the things that Doc Holliday says is a ma- the thing about how a man like him has a great big hole right in the middle and he can't kill enough or steal enough or, or create enough pain to ever fill it. And I feel like that's where she's at right now. She's the person that Alfred was talking about when he said some people just want to watch the whole world burn. Like, I feel like that's yeah. kind of her. But then at the same time, I wonder if, if the other part of it is, um, is, is revenge like it could be you know she could kind of go either way like you were saying you know just so much scar tissue like she just doesn't care she's literally only in it for herself because she doesn't think that she can trust anybody Mm -hmm. else herself and her baby yeah well after all of the all of the lying and all of the playing everybody you know except for maybe you're on uh it you know like that so it sort of seems like whether or not she's actually pregnant is up in the air a little bit, you know, at that same time.
1: Sure. She may, she may may be lying about it. She also may be nuts or it may be something that is Kyvern is doing. I don't, I don't know, but she Could has left
4: during it. You're, you're like so, she's yeah, you're so right oh, about, I never even thought about, about him. She,
1: oh,
0: that just makes it worse. She
1: just keeps on doing what she's been doing, even though it's gotten her where she is. Cause she's got nothing left to do. And I just keep coming back to that idea that she's basically all she has left is to be queen of the ashes and, so that's what she's gonna do. She's like she she, right. she kinda just doesn't care anymore and it is the raw, naked, just power and power hungriness. And she has no I mean, I guess we could argue like it's clearer now why Daenerys Daenerys wants to uh, she at least has a vision it, whether it's realistic or not of like a better society with a better kind of rule and we've seen her try that out in various city states to, to varying degrees of su- success in Assos. Um, what does Cersei want she doesn't want anything it is just it is just a naked power grab she has she does not care about anything but ruling and it, that is a that's a pretty good contrast the problem is that the fate of humanity re- rests on the ability to repel the people at the wall the monsters at the wall and she doesn't want to play that game she'd rather take her chances um so i I don't know how that works out but it's it's yeah, I think she's. I think she's kind of in an interesting place now. But I think she's a less layered character, or at least appears to be less layered than it was when she was the power behind the throne. Mm-hmm. Now that she's just yeah. Yeah. naked power grab. It's just all her. Um, we should we should move on because we're gonna we we, we, we could go we could <laughs> we could do seven hours on this. Um, <laughs> yes. I, let's let's move I, again to let's let's move to Winterfell and talk about Arya and Sansa and Littlefinger, which is an interesting oh. storyline in the sense that we get a reunion, we get. We get Brienne uh, in oh. in there too, which is great. There's a great scene with Arya and Brienne fighting that happens this season that is wonderful. Where where Brienne gets a sense of who Arya is now. My favorite scene of the whole, of pretty the whole, great, uh, right? Possibly the whole show. But <laughs> the problem, um, the problem I have with this this block, and I I, I want to know what all you think is that in the service of the twist at the end, which let's let's just say is a great twist because Littlefinger is dead at the end of it. Uh, yes. they, there are several weeks where we're led to believe that Sansa and Arya have this, like, potential... Uh, like they might want to kill each other or something that I never. I think, I think they did at those points. I don't know. I I was skeptical that I I I didn't believe I believe them being questioning of one another, but I felt like the show really tried to push it in a way that I, I it strained my credulity. And then at the end, they're like, "No, nah, we were just fooling." They were they were conspiring behind the scenes to get little. No, I don't
5: think they were. I don't think, I don't they, think they were, they were conspiring the whole time. No. and I think that where Arya is right now she considers murder to be a perfectly normal response to just about anything.
3: The reason
2: I don't think they were conspiring is because of that that one moment where you have Sansa and Littlefinger, and Littlefinger is going, you know, I like to play this game where I think about the worst thing. And he's leading her through, like, down the garden path and saying, you know, and then what would would Arya do this for? And then why would she do this? And then what does she get out of it? And Sansa goes, she'd be Lady of Winterfell. And then she gasps. And, you know, if you're not paying attention, obviously you think, oh, she gasps because then she thinks, oh my God, I'm going to be dead and I won't be the the Lady of Winterfell, when in reality, so that is that is the moment where Sansa realizes, oh my God, Arya would never want to be Lady of Winterfell. Uh-huh. Right. He's, this guy's been yanking <laughs> yeah. my chain the yeah. whole time. Littlefinger yeah.
5: le- made her realize this mm-hmm. story doesn't make sense, so th- then she used Littlefinger's logic mm-hmm. against him. That's when they she broke out of Littlefinger's spell. All those other scenes happened as we saw them. And
0: that was the thing that was so confusing, because they have the story about the archery you know, Arya and Sansa are standing up there, and she says, "You know, I went down, and Bran had left his arrows, and I shot the one arrow over again, and I could hear Dad up here, da 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 da." And it gets really tense because of reading. The, she reads the letter, and they have this whole thing. And that was one episode before this all goes down with Littlefinger.
2: That was a perfect setup for it because that was that was sort of the moment in which um, Arya solidified to Sansa that she never had any wish to be Lady of Winterfell. She doesn't want that kind of power. She wants a different kind of power. So I think that it needed to it needed to be ahead of time. And I like the fact that it was just the episode before because it's, you know, there's a lot happening this season. So it's nice to have that fresh in your mind.
0: But that was what made it so surprising when all of a sudden we get some Sansa side eye there when she says, isn't you know, Lord Baelish. Like that was what made it so surprising. Cause I'm like, wait, just in the last episode you know, it was rough between the two of you.
5: Well, once you realize who Littlefinger is and what he's been up to, you don't want to stick around.
2: Yep. It's it's a moment of – it's literally a moment of revelation. Like, Sansa is having an epiphany, and that yeah. is – that completely, it just upends everything. And I had really been just bored with this story and just not (laughs) cared about Sansa or Arya except when she was fighting Brienne until finally. So I like, there was a little bit of indication at the end where it's like, okay, yes, finally they have come together. The sisters have done the right thing and. And, yeah, I'm like, and I don't have to watch this, like, really palely graded, color graded
4: (gasps) scene. Excuse my gasping, my gasping in absolute horror. As every, (laughs) every viewer of this show knows, I assume... The proper hero of the show is Sansa. For goodness sake. Every moment she's on screen is
2: majestic awesomeness. Oh, she and did
4: I get I, Ned
5: killed that time.
2: I had been hoping right,
5: I, I would not have been
2: sad if she had died.
5: She was in gonna be killed. Any killed season. Regardless.
4: He, that, that was Joffrey, I think you'll find. Sansa is a perfect princess who cannot be blamed for anything apart from one or two minor details. No, but I, I genuinely love Sansa. She's my favourite character in the show and um this se- the, the past couple of seasons seeing the payoff for what she's gone la- got uh, gone through last season and especially this season that she's kind of cemented that uh, place as this powerful political figure who can lead and advise and she's got enough panache to sort of a very understand her place in the world very well and what she can do and what she can't do and the kind of place that she's living in and it's such a gorgeous contrast from like the first season where she's living in a fantasy world and she's just and now she's it's got so much control over her her place in it. And for me those those scenes with Arya I'll oh. Every, to be fair every time one of the Starks returned turned to Winterfell I might have cried a little bit because oh. I found it very emotional <laughs> but particularly with the two sisters and I was like I was I was so devastated with the way Arya was behaving because I thought she was awful and it was like how could, they, how dare you do this to Sansa how dare you you mm-hmm. ungrateful meanie oh, head oh see I was team Arya like yeah
2: Sansa's just um, I, I'm very shady. sorry
4: about your wrongness um, but <laughs> so to finally get that to get that magnificent scene there where she turns it around on Baelish and little things is my second least favourite character in the show at the moment Um, and to see him finally die was just (laughs) magnificent and then for the the little coda with Arya and Sansa to have that little bit of friendly sisterly banter and it was just like oh
3: I love you again Arya hearts to be (laughs) drawn around (laughs) you this is great I just oh I it. totally believed, I believed the sisterly conflict, because the last time they had been together yeah. was in season one, and here you have Sansa, who's trying to be the perfect princess, and is all, and still is not her daddy's favorite. You know, Arya is definitely, like, Ned's favorite daughter, and and so here she is, this perfect princess, and Arya gets the attention, but Arya's like, oh, but My sister's this perfect princess. And so they've both come from these last six seasons of intense mental and physical and emotional and all of this turmoil and very difficult journey, really. And they didn't know what their sister went through. They don't know what that person who they had this you know yes they were siblings and they loved each other but they didn't really like each other so they had to progress through all of this history that they've had of jealousy and anger towards what the other person got to finally realize that they're totally different people now and i just thought that was perfect there's
1: that moment where they say like you know you uh, there's some terrible stuff that i went through and the other one's like yeah uh me too uh, but I do. I, from Arya's perspective, it is funny. She comes to Winterfell. Who's the lady of Winterfell? Oh, it's Sansa, of course. And she's thinking of her in that old context. So she's thinking, oh, yes, she's playing. She's gotten what she always wanted, which is playing to be this fancy princess. Right. And mm, yes. And um, we know <laughs> that she's very different right we have yes. seen it and it's just funny in that moment to realize oh yeah i suppose from Arya's perspective she could just really write her off as a lightweight who's playing at being a princess again but we know mm-hmm. the truth which is she's come a long way she's been through some terrible stuff and she's playing you know she's not playing the game of thrones now but she is she is learning rapidly like how to hold stuff together um yeah and, and needs to be given credit And it's a funny to have that moment where we're all like hey wait a second you need to give sansa credit she is she's working hard here and Arya is like oh yeah same old stupid sister
4: it's just it just made that 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 like last bit of conversation between them i i couldn't have survived what you survived and you're the bravest person i've ever known it's just like oh my hearts i i think did. i think and i just i love the way um little finger went as well the way that Because one of the very first things we saw in the series way back was Ned executing that dude because he passed the sentence so he carries it out. Yes. But instead, they share the burden. That's it. Sansa passes the sentence, Arya carries it out, they're each doing the part that they... Can deal with this but they're a just team
1: like, they're, a, they're a team doing it so yeah. it is it is following right. their it's their father's just, order which is that right. they're the leadership team she you know and they they did this together passed sentence and and executed
2: did it bother anybody else that that Arya just slits his throat and then puts the dagger directly back in the sheet yes. without cleaning it yes. off first you Dread gotta it. clean it.
3: come on Bad that was a little
4: management
5: weird.
0: she's supposed to be a professional she probably needed that blood for some magic or something Ooh. But also he wasn't like it, it wasn't immediate and I felt a little bit like that was kind of on purpose too to to sort of leave him there looking up at his Sansa so that's like the last thing he ever sees is that she sentenced him to die and she's sitting there staring at him as he ends with the face like I just sort of felt like that was his true love. Yeah, I felt like that was extra brutal and one thing that came up when I was talking when we were talking about it about him dying was uh is Arya going to take his face? Which was kind of a fun uh, thing yeah. to consider Because then everybody was Ooh. like Everybody saw him die And then someone said Cersei didn't And I'm like oh. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah, and actually, that's that's something I
2: hadn't even considered until just now: is the fact that not only do do Sansa and Arya finally, you know, get their crap together and team up to do this and take him down, but this has happened in front of all of the lords of like the North. Yeah. So this is, I mean, Sansa has really sort of cemented her position as a a wise person who is willing to defend the North and do what she needs to do. Um, you know, because it it was clear that everybody was kind of like, "Why is this dude still here?" And and finally. And I I like that she even says, you know, sometimes I'm slow to learn, but, you know, I get there eventually. But I'll get there. She takes it on and then she does what needs to be done and everybody sees that, which I think is really cool because at this point, we don't know if John is going to stick around and be the king in the north. Maybe he's going to be the king in everywhere. We don't know. Or Westeros.
0: And that was the thing I was curious about was after that moment and having that happen and they give us the wide shot of the room full of all Uh of those people. And I wondered, like, what does this mean when John comes back? That was one of the things that crossed my mind when we were watching the end of that scene was was how this is going to impact his return because they're going to be like yeah you were gone and you know your sister you know she handled business yeah Mm
5: -hmm. well he's going to be glad i don't think he was into littlefinger being around the place
0: i don't think he was terribly into being the king in the north either he just wants to stop
5: stop the white walkers no he totally wasn't yeah that's all he cares about
0: king in the north i've got bigger fish Mm -hmm. to fry
5: yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's just all just a means to an end. I think that's probably right. Yeah, uh, and also since the message that scene does. That's like not only is uh, Sansa large and in charge, but her uh, sister will cut you if you cross her. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's good. I, li- I like that. Watch oh. out for the
5: little one. She's mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Watch out. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk about the north and uh, the further north and John and uh and his team who end up yes going south and spending a lot of time down in dragonstone in this in this season. Um John is uh he's the king of the north, he's putting together an army, he realizes he needs to work with Daenerys. He needs some Dragonglass, which they got a mountain of as uh as Sam has uh has ravened about, uh, and so he goes, and you know he gets some volcanic uh, glass to turn into daggers and swords and stuff, and and uh, meets Daenerys and her team, and and uh, and John is, you know, like like I just said, John seems like a very pragmatic guy. Like he's he doesn't care about the Game of Thrones, right? He cares about saving the world. And he has to navigate all these people who have other other games that they're playing. Um, but he, he's trying really hard and uh, he makes a new friend. Oh, isn't that nice?
4: yes <laughs>
1: so what about John this season uh, yeah what uh, about him what about him he needs a he needs <laughs> yeah, you know, a dragon who doesn't hate him that, that was you know that was cute he
2: got a he got a dragon smithel, <laughs> he and Davos came
1: uh, falsified a bunch of cave paintings in order to con- wait a second no they were probably real they were probably <laughs> no, those real no
0: real
4: don't, don't say I just, that I just I wanted <laughs> twice
1: I had that moment of like I'm gonna believe John here but I would like that scene where before where he's like Davos quick here's some chalk no shark. he's too Let's,
4: honest he would like to Cersei to save the world. I don't think
5: they're arty enough to, to have pulled that no, out. Yeah. That's probably John's true. kind of boring to me, and I think he doesn't have a personality, which yes. this late in a show where he's a main character is a problem.
2: I completely agree. I never liked, I never really cared about anything that he did. And I You know, I heard all of these people clamoring for, oh, we want John and Danny to get together. And I was like, oh, no, she deserves better. And yet, when we got to the scenes with just the two of them, they actually have real chemistry on screen. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is the ingredient, the magic secret ingredient that makes Jon Snow not boring. And it's Daenerys
0: Targaryen. I think everyone else traveled so far, like both physically and character wise, like everyone else had these huge things. You know, Danny spent her whole life trying to get home and now she's home. That's huge. And... Everything that Aria has gone through, and now Arya is home, and everything Sansa went through, and Sansa's home, and it's her home, not a, not the Bolton's home. It's her own home, and all of the stuff that all of these other characters have experienced, and all of the, I mean, Theon, for Lord's sake, had oh like my a goodness, great yes. character arc mm-hmm. this, se- this season alone. Like before you even get to the other stuff. So I just feel like everyone else got so much development that that John feels boring by comparison and we didn't get to see yeah. a lot of him struggle with, because he's sort of in the same boat as Danny. Ha ha. I just see what I did. But he is, he's like, I'm, I'm a ruler or I'm supposed to be this ruler. And I don't know how that works or what that means or what I'm supposed to do. The difference is that Danny has wanted this this whole time. And he's like, I'm just sort of stuck here and it's not, this is not my jam. Maybe, maybe dying
2: causes arrested development. Maybe,
4: like, or, but I, I still feel like you could swap out the end of season one John with the end of season seven John, and the end of season one John would do just fine. He'd be okay, yeah. he wouldn't be all at sea, but if you did that with any of the other main characters, they'd be like, whoa, True. what's going on here? Mm, Why has yeah. things got weird?
3: Well, the conflict that John had as a child, like, already prepared him for this you know, not everybody's going to agree with me. Not everybody's going to support me. I got to do what I got to do because I'm a bastard and all of this. And so now he's in this position of power, but he's not going to actually use the position of power to be in power. He's going to use it to make sure that everyone is still alive by taking care of the white walkers. He's
1: always been on his own uh, because he was the bastard at Winterfell. He was sent to the wall and he tries to do the right thing. And he, it has to learn as he goes, and he makes a lot of mistakes. And I like I like John. I agree he's not, like, super interesting dynamic as a character. He's not. But he's steady. He's like a hero. True. He wants to do the right thing. He doesn't want power for himself. Jason, expect more from your heroes.
4: We're not watching Game of Thrones for heroes. No, I, I think in, in, a, in a show
1: like this, he is interesting not because he's not interesting no that's not what i mean i think he's interesting because he's not he's not playing a game like that he's just trying to he's he's the guy who's saying we hey everybody pay attention we need to save the world now and and i think that's i think that's not bad i also think it's interesting then then when you put him with daenerys things get more interesting because really like he is a person who wants to make things happen and and is probably a very good sort of supporter person you want on your team and so having him and Daenerys working together makes him uh like that's that's a better use because yeah he's super uncomfortable being in charge right he's super uncomfortable with it I like that
4: he wants to be first officer on the Enterprise he does but he's not Captain Kirk yeah
5: it's more of a Riker but yeah yeah there are good scenes in the show's history with John in them. They, those scenes are good because they have Yegret in them, or because <laughs> I was they have just Tormund. Just going to say that, them, yep. yeah, or exactly. Now because yeah. they have Daenerys in them.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Torment. But you just just because you're a hero doesn't mean you have to be dull. Brienne is probably the most heroic That's character true. on the show, but she's not dull. Not dull. Whereas, I, and I do, but I do annoyingly agree with Eric here that I think that the scenes <laughs> of Danny are quite good for John's scenes.
0: Oh yes. mm Hmm. Especially that last well, one. Yes. <laughs> no. My favorite, is, my favorite is
2: the one in front of the cave paintings. Like that yeah, was yeah. that was sort of the moment for me where it was just the two of them in these close quarters, and and I I was not looking forward to that scene, and it started, and I was like, oh great, here we go, and then like a minute and a half later, I was like, oh great, here we go.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and Danny it almost affects John in a way that nobody else has, um, because with the egret they he felt that guilt of not being you know uh loyal to the brotherhood and like being a traitor to himself blah 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 and here he is with danny and there's actual affection they're on the same level they're at the same like height of royalty quote-unquote in more ways than one. But like, there's this (laughs) connection that he's had with her that he doesn't really have with anyone else. And he's able to become more of himself. Yes, exactly. And, and willing to be who he needs to be
0: with his own, but he doesn't have to. That's the thing. Like with Egret, it was secret like, I'm supposed to be the Night's Watch, but I am going to tell you guys that I'm Team Wildling now. And so there was always that thing between them. And whenever he, you know, like when he was part of the Night's Watch and then after he was part of the Night's Watch, when, you know, once his watch had ended, then he still sort of had that that sort of kept him away from everybody else. And like right now, I feel like he doesn't have to try to be anybody. And that's what is making that interesting between the two of them is that he doesn't have to worry about any of the other stuff that he always had to worry about like all of that has sort of fallen away at this point because right now he's not really the he he doesn't feel like he has to be the king in the north he knows that like sansa's holding down the fort he knows that he is who he is and she knows who he is and that's just kind of the end of it and he doesn't have to worry about having to tap dance around any of this other stuff
1: everybody knows that the onion knight is the best though the, oh, the onion knight. hands down he's, uh, he's pretty good I, I think i think it's interesting that we have these characters um uh who are the advisors who you know Tyrion is of noble birth but like missandei and onion knight and th- they get to be in the same room <gasps> together yes. this time and they are they are you know Varus there and Varus too right people who are kind of like the lowest of the low and are now surrounding the people in power and are um, I don't know about Varys, but like Onion Knight, I would say is a a a a decent human being, right? A fundamentally decent human being, absolutely. And and uh, I love that character. I love the jokes that he makes with John this season. There are several. I, yes, you know, so I, yeah. I saw you looking at her dragons or whatever. Yeah. Um, good good stuff. And and at one point he even says, "Can I switch sides?" Right? Like, it's just great. I love the Onion Knight. Um, who has had a, a series of of uh. Kind of difficult things going on in his life. I think it's he had an interesting scene this season too, where he got to go back into the Blackwater, where obviously his sons died, and uh, and pretend to be a smuggler again, like he was back in the old yes. days. A lot of good stuff with big, him. So, minor yes. character, but one that one who I love. So he's advising John now. Yeah. I like I like that. And yes, perhaps John is wonderful because uh, he's in scene he allows the characters in scenes with him to be great. <laughs> I don't know.
4: It's a good point. Maybe his sort of general blandness means that everyone else's interesting qualities suddenly become bright and focused. I'll take in it, comparison. Liz.
1: I'll take it. I'll take I'll take anything yes. I can get in my defense of John now. <laughs> he makes everyone else shine. He's a team
5: player, people. A team <laughs> that's player. That's another uh, Princess Bride analogy. Wesley, easily the most boring character on the show mm-hmm. that's true. in the movie that's true (laughs) yes yep that's true
0: well you know what it's because he's a good guy and like the good guy is never an interesting thing like what makes Cersei so interesting as a bad guy is why she's a bad guy and why she how she's justifying everything like every time we see somebody doing bad stuff and they're doing it for the right reasons it's really interesting to see how they got there and the good guy is just like the right thing here's me doing it like we know that's what's gonna happen so he's not unpredictable he's not unexpected so that's why it's sort of interesting that once he finds out what his real last name is, what's actually gonna happen? How is that? First name. Because first he name, didn't yeah. change. Right. right. Because he didn't change, but it turns out he's got all this other information now, and so what's that gonna do to him? I think that's the part, that's the moment when he's gonna get more interesting.
5: If only someone had invented a storytelling technique where a hero could take a journey of some it's sort. It's interesting.
1: I, I think we'll, uh, we'll consult mm. all you might be the books. I'll there. consult the sacred scrolls <laughs> at the uh, at the old town uh, Meister University
5: and Varmatorium. Uh, um. Although Arya is the hero with a thousand faces. Uh, that's true. Huh? Good point. Yeah, that's, very nice. yes.
1: that's very nice. That's uh, very nice. Well, okay, let's move on to our last key character here, which is, uh, of course, the Night King. What are his likes and loves and needs? He's got a dragon <laughs> He's got some That's spears the future.
0: Long uh, walks on the
1: beach, and, apparently And, and, and yes. yeah, oh, 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 Bravo, he is taking a long walk on a beach now Because he knocked down the wall Or at least the corner Hi. of it and here they come. I oh,
5: can't wait to see the opening credits next, se- next season. Yeah, with, bro- with a broken wall. <gasps> oh, my wall. God. <laughs> that would be nice, oh,
0: right? Oh, do we get to watch yeah. it come down on the end there? That would be amazing. Oh, that would be really Ooh, cool.
5: That would be pretty good. They mm-hmm. added Eastwatch in this last episode, yeah. so they have a spot it. has been set a couple episodes. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh, It's been okay. in there a couple. It's nice.
1: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. so the Night King is on the move, and that's that. That's our big bad, and I, one one of the things I like about this uh, book, the book series and the uh, TV series is it's very clear from the very beginning that that is the big bad of the show, right? Like in the first yeah. scenes, it's like there's uh, zombies and stuff, and it's bad. And then now let's forget about that for a while, and then we'll we'll get back to it. And so. I, I one of the things that I like about Game of Thrones and this the way that this narrative is going to its final season is it's messy enough that it's hard to say well like well it's obvious what will happen. I mean it was kind of obvious that Jon and Daenerys were going to get together, but like you've got with Cersei as the wild element that makes this a much more confusing sort of situation and the march by the uh the bad guys who have now come into uh the south you know or the north via the wall into Westeros proper. Like I don't have a feeling of like what's going to happen next season. I think it's going to be messy and lots of people are going to die. But um, I I like that. It's not necessarily a structure of like the different characters and power elements that I can look at and be like, Oh, well here's what's going to happen. I'm sure somebody else probably has a has some theories but what are your and this is the, like my last uh, my last thing for this episode what are your expectations for next season what do you want to get out of next season whenever it arrives next fall uh, 2019 I don't even know when it's going to arrive those six movie length episodes they're talking about now
2: dragon on dragon
1: action dragon on dragon action yes yes,
3: yes.
2: Mm-hmm. okay which uh, technically we saw with uh, John and Daenerys in the
5: previous hey. season, but- oh boy <laughs> <laughs> let's get some more of that
3: Uh, I, I really, as horrible as this is, because this is Game of Thrones, but I really want a happy ending. What
1: constitutes a happy ending is if, if John, if John and Daenerys sacrifice themselves to stop the White Walkers and Sansa is on the Iron Throne, is that a happy ending? Woo!
3: Yes, no, so I says yes. perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but ideally, like, yes, the White Walkers are defeated, but also like John and Danny get married and then they don't have to like decide which one's in charge. They can be a joint rulership and then they have a baby that for <laughs> Is that like, how
1: marriage works?
0: <laughs> well And then their baby is the one who was promised. Exactly. Aw. Uh, for, for a happy ending, what I need is for everyone on my list of my
4: favorites to live and not to be, like, too miserable, and for everyone on my list of unfavorites to die, preferably horribly. <laughs>
3: yeah. Fair. Then I'd be okay with it. <laughs> also, Brienne and Tormund need to have that's Big, all I need No, about Torment.
1: I think he might be buried under several thousand feet no. of ice now.
3: No, he ran no, across he the wall, no. not down the stairs. Are you, are
1: you a torment truther? Or is that what's happening? You're a Torment. I am and totally Barrett, a torment truther. truther. That they didn't die in the wall. Absolutely. All right.
0: Nope. They're
3: still alive. We didn't see
1: them die.
0: I will yep. forsake the dead. end of the show. We have not seen any bodies. I will forsake the final season if it becomes clear that the two of them got got. I can't have it. Right. It's not. No, no, no. Okay.
2: No. I would be fine with them dying, but and I think that they should have based on the amount of destruction that we saw from a distance yep. in the wall and the place that they were, like they should be dead. If they are not, I am going to be like, I mean, I'll I'll be happy that I get to see Tormen, I guess. I'm not a huge huge fan of his, but I will be really annoyed at the the you know playing
1: false with the way physics works and that sort of stuff, you know not okay i think the reason Torment is so great is the same reason that braun is so great which is there are people who say the stuff that everybody should be saying but isn't because they're yeah, too polite right. and it's enjoyable mm-hmm. to have those characters do it. braun is an example by the way of a character who really pr- should probably have died and it was very yes. clear after that whole loot train <laughs> sequence that um the mm-hmm. the show could not bear to mm-hmm. kill him, so
5: which <laughs> no, probably
1: be the case with Tormund. As well. I like it when yes. the show
4: panders to me like yeah. that. Yeah. If the mm-hmm. show would like to pander, these are the people that I would like to die right. miserably. <laughs> You're on Greyjoy. Yes. dear Your sweet hair. god, more oh, yes. than anyone else in the show. That mm. is a terrible, more than terrible Cersei. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, no, yes. oh, oh yeah. Cersei could, Cersei oh. can never die. No problem either way. Euron is boring as anything and and just doesn't deserve to be there. Oh, you just turned up with your ships because I was on holiday for 10 years. I was like, I don't care. Who are you? I would like Theon to, you know, re- rescue Yara and for them to, together to kill Euron and then Yara to be Queen of the Iron Islands. And that'd be great. Sansa obviously has to live, either as Queen yes. or Queen in the North. Fine. Don't mind. Mm-hmm. All good. Miss and has to live. Because she's yep. just
3: she's just so nice and she deserves happiness. And her and Grey Worm <laughs> they deserve a happy ever after. Yes.
4: Gray Worm, Worm can die, but I really I suppose prefer it if he lives. Mm. And I, I quite want Podrick to live as well. Because yeah. yeah, of course. He hasn't really hurt anyone. Everyone else can die. The last I don't scene, mind.
1: mark my words, the last <laughs> scene of the last episode is Podrick and let's say Braun.
2: Oh, I was going to say hot they pie. Get,
1: they go, no, no, wait, wait for it, Erica. They they are sitting at a table with their tankards, and hot pie delivers a hot pie, and they clink yes.
5: their mugs, yes. yes. and perfect. it's
4: the
1: end. Fade out.
4: That I would mean. be perfect.
5: There's a thing I want to happen, which is on the villain side. Kyburn spent this entire season sneaking around, having conversations with Cersei. We didn't get to see. I want him to have been planning something really, really ridiculous. <laughs> like if I don't see an army of mountain style resurrected corpses, ah. I'm going to be pretty mad at that dude.
1: Mm. Ooh, because his yeah. anti
5: dragon uh, technique did not impress me.
4: I'm also hoping that like his anti dragon stuff is can kind of help bring down the undead dragon. Instead of the nice dragons on our side, I wonder
1: if there's a twist there, one way or another. Whether whether it's that Qyburn, um ends up being uh, his tech ends up being useful in the war in the end, or whether it ends up being this folly where his magic is uh, and and his things that he's doing are subverted by like because what if the mountain just gets flipped around by uh by the by the Night King, <laughs> that would be bad, right? Right. So Ooh, double reanimated corpse. Yeah, That's right? confusing. I, I
0: feel like <laughs> Kaiburn like is a done like either way no, he's there's, scheming, there's something right? else yeah yeah something's mm. up and I don't like aside from the mountain and I don't know what but I feel like yeah because we all kind of saw him The look of Christmas came early on his face when they rolled that zombie out of the box, right? Right. Yeah, Uh he's
5: got to have a bigger role next season because who else is Cersei going to talk to? Exactly, right? That's (laughs) that's it. That's all. That's and he's
4: still around at this point, so it really does feel like if you're still alive at this point and you're not, you know, brawn, then you should have a point.
1: (laughs) You have something to do. (laughs) All right. Well, we we have to wait we have to wait it's sad we have to wait but I I'm, forever I, I am we said this on the last uh, TV Flashcast about this that I'll tell you this I am very happy that this <laughs> show is going to have an ending that the show that I've enjoyed so much and it's yes! going to have an ending that has been planned and it may be good it may be bad but like to be able to say in the end this you can watch the show and it, 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 we're going to get to the end here and it's going to have a proper ending I'm very happy about that maybe there'll be a spinoff yeah. someday probably not even though they're trying but it doesn't matter this story will have a have an ending and uh, hopefully it will be very fulfilling i feel like this year we're all much more positive than we were maybe after the last year or the year before when things were really bad for
5: our friends
4: those were bad yeah mm. I liked season
5: 6 it was season 5 season 5 was really, really those were the,
4: the, the yeah. bitter post Charles Danseer yeah. was when I just it was actually bad because I just hated it on principle yeah sure
1: but now so we're, we're coming back up and you know Littlefinger got it and things are looking up so yeah yes. alright well um, that, I want to thank my guests for being here to talk about Game of Thrones one last time before last uh, we time. we wait for season 8 uh, Kelly Gamont thank you thanks for having me Erica Ensign thank you thank you this is great Liz Miles, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast again.
4: Thank you, Sir Jason.
1: Uh,
5: of the spelled S E R
1: Yes, spelled S E R, absolutely. Uh, I have been I've been knighted, it's very exciting. Kathy Campbell, thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> thanks for having me so much.
1: And Monty, Ashley, it was a pleasure to talk after uh, all those episodes and uh, and again today about Game of Thrones for you. Thank you, Jason. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We'll be back next week to talk about something with fewer dragons, probably.
5: Aww. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.